On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly. Brew October, presented by Annex Wealth Management and sponsored by Bruchet Automotive, Town Bank, a Windrest Community Bank, and Delta Dental, Wisconsin's number one dental plan. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Radio City, here's Matt Pauley. A good Thursday evening to you. Welcome in. It is Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. What do Greg, do we call this the final in-season edition as we're just a couple days away from the season ending, or is this the first off-season edition? What should we go with? This um, is your call. I think that's predicated on, and I'm going to flip it back on you, where are you in the grieving process? <laughs> I haven't, like... I'm still bummed. I'm still really bummed that this season isn't going. Like I feel like we should um we should be starting Brewers extra innings right now after a game number five. That game probably would have started at four o'clock. So and it probably would have gone, what, three and a half hours or so. <laughs> so that would have taken us to about seven thirty. Four and a half hours. Uh okay, whatever. And <laughs> uh yeah, we like this we are in the we are in the time window right now where we should have been host- we should have been doing Brewers extra innings, right? I, I wish I could. You're absolutely correct. I wish I could make up, and I'm not that good at manipulating audio as much as I claim to be good at it. Um, some sort of the Brewers take, you know, what would this game be? Game five. Moving on to the next, the NLCS, but I can't um, deep fake that well. So, unfortunately, I can't make that yeah. happen. So we could just uh, create a, a fake game. Uh, yeah, we could do that. Yeah, you know my um, my father many many years ago. Let's see if I can look this thing up. 1982, the year I was born, actually. Um, there was this uh, there was this radio broadcast. It was called the greatest game never played, and it was a hypothetical game between the all-time greats in Major League Baseball of 1982. So, like, the I've got the Wikipedia page open on it right now. The American League team had, like, Phil Rizzuto, Ty Cobb, Ted Williams, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Rod Carew, Yogi Berra, Brooks Robinson, and Whitey Ford. And the National League roster was Pete Rose, Mike Schmidt, Stan Musial, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Rogers Hornsby, Honus Wagner, Roy Campanella, and Sandy Koufax. So what it was was it was a uh, it was a radio broadcast as this hypothetical baseball game. Jack Buck and Lindsey Nelson were the broadcasters for it. It aired on like 200 radio stations across the country. My dad was actually the producer of that broadcast. Whoa! What? That yeah. sounds like a lot of fun. Um, yeah. How did that go? Now, how much of an operational standpoint do you know about this? Because I am very intrigued. I um. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I should know more. My dad gave me a CD of it at one point. We had, I remember in our basement growing up, we had all kinds of copies of it on record. And my dad got uh, it converted from record to CD. I don't even know where it is. I got to find that thing. That's, that's probably worth Please it. bring that in because we could have a lot of fun with that, especially on this particular program. Yeah. So um, the, uh, I, I remember my dad telling me, when the strike was happening in, what was it? Was it 90, oh gosh, 94, right? 94 strike? Correct. Did I have that right? Okay. Um, 
some people got together to see if they could like re-air that as, as something. Um, but there are rights issues and like organ music and things like that where they couldn't re-air it. Uh, but yeah, in 1982, it was aired on 200 radio stations across the country. Could have aired right here at WTMJ. I don't know. I have no clue. 1982. Or we can make one. Ooh. Yeah. If anybody listening has any recollection of listening to the greatest baseball game never played in 1982 with Jack Buck and Lindsey Nelson on the broadcast, text in right now, 855-616-1620. If you have any recollection, 1982. You think anybody will text in? Yeah, I think so. Oh, man, of course. We got some uh, knowledgeable, especially knowledgeable baseball fans. Matt Pauly, you know that. I'm actually trying yes. to look this up. I just want to know how it was accomplished, because if I find out how we can do this, we are going to do this. Should we uh, Should we call my dad? <gasps> Production show on the air. Production show on the air. <laughs> we uh, We may have to call my dad. Huh. All right, we'll see. We're just—I don't know where this came from, but uh, yeah, we may have to call my dad. We'll see. Uh, we'll see if he uh, picks up here in uh, in a moment or so. Uh, going to put him on the uh, put him on the radio. Okay, so well, you know what? How about this? We're we're going to take a break. I'm going to text you his number, Greg, I'm so and we'll happy. see if he'll come on and talk about this. Okay. How about that? Sure. All right. Take a break, and uh, hopefully he picks up. If he picks up, then we'll uh, we'll figure this thing out. We're just gonna. I've never done this with my parents before. We're just gonna try this. My dad's name, by the way, Greg, is Bill. Okay. And we're gonna th- we're uh, we're gonna see uh, what happens. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. All right. We'll take a break, and we'll talk about this here in just a moment. We do have Brewer stuff to get to. I promise we will. But because we're talking about hypothetical games, and we could have created a hypothetical game uh, just a moment ago with, uh, or you know, with a game number five that never happened, we'll learn a little something about a hypothetical game that actually happened. We'll do that here in just a moment here on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly continues here on WTMJ. Matt Pauly with you. Want to join us? 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Tax Line. So we were just talking a moment ago about since the Brewers were not playing Game 5 today, and they should. They should have been playing Game 5 today, but they're not. We, uh, we were like, well, you know what? We should just recreate, or not even recreate, just create game number five and that got the process moving and my dad was involved with a game creation in the uh in the 80s a radio broadcast called the greatest baseball game never played so we've decided to go to the expert my father bill Pauley, who lives in vero beach florida joins us right now he had no idea i was going to call him hi dad hi there how are you doing i'm good how are you very very good all right Sorry about so the we're sorry. We are sorry, too. We're talking to you because we're talking about creating broadcast of games that have never happened. And you were involved in the 1982, the greatest baseball game never played, which was broadcast with Jack Buck and Lindsey Nelson. So uh, talk me through the process. What, what do we need to do to create a baseball game broadcast of a game that did not actually happen? Well, the greatest baseball game that never happened was uh, the creation of a advertising agency that I worked for at the time called BFVNL Advertising, and we it, it it began as kind of a 
creative sessions, uh, we wanted to do something uh, at, at a time when there was a baseball strike going on. And uh, so we created this as an all-star game. And we actually created our own baseball network. Uh, we lined up stations all over the country. And we had uh, uh, well over 400 stations that broadcast this, created our own network. And this was way before there were video games and computerized games. And we contacted a lady in in California who created a video program who could create a program where we could take the stats of great ball players and put them in a program and see how they the stats would do if they all played a game, great pitchers against great hitters and that sort of thing, which was way before our time and the maddens of this world. The computers can now do that like it's falling off a log, but this was had never been done before. Um, we created the teams by uh, ballots that were printed in the sporting news, and they 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 created the the two greatest teams of all time uh up to that time in the American League and the National League uh we uh, contacted Jack Buck and Lindsey Nelson who were among the leading sports broadcasters of the time and uh then we uh played a game on the computer and uh, then they recreated it in the style of some of the early broadcasters by doing a recreation. We put sound effects behind it, sounded like stadium, and uh, broadcast it. And then uh, the day after the actual All-Star game of that year, we put it on our network and created a game. It caused quite a furor. Uh, we had great publicity, great articles. I still have a scrapbook full of them. And um, uh, as as it was, uh, contrary to the way it goes these days, the uh, um, um, National League uh, beat the uh, the American League. And I just pulled out the uh, uh, um, um, uh, album from that we made after that game, uh, and the uh, National League beat the American League five to four. Greg, do you have uh, do you have any questions about how this all worked out? Like, I don't even know how we could do this today with all the computers. Like, I'm trying to think of ways that okay, maybe I could splice in a highlight here, or maybe I can, you know, and add a sound effect here, like you said. And it's just, it's really impressive that a you got a computer program to do this, b to get Jack Butt like to get the legendary broadcasters to actually pretend to call a game. My question would be, did you go about like pitch by pitch and did they call like the actual game was happening or did they really only call the action? No, no, it was uh, it was a a a a, a classic pitch by pitch, play by play. We we the 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 game was played on uh, first of all we played the game on the computer um recorded the pitch by pitch on the computer um made a transcript of that we took it into the studio with Jack and Lindsay uh and then 
uh, they 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 followed the transcript. It was not a transcript per se, per se as a radio script would be. It was an outline of the game, and uh, we estimated what each inning would take. Uh, you know, some were three up, three down. Some were more complicated, so we estimated how long an inning would take. And uh, we would say, okay, guys, this inning is going to take two minutes. This inning is going to take five minutes. This inning is going to take ten minutes, depending upon the kind of action that would be in each inning. And uh, then uh, 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 they would they would uh, do the play-by-play. Uh, we are talking about top-notch talent, guys who had grown up in the very beginnings of the radio business who had learned to do uh, play-by-play off of ticker tapes. They had no problem doing play-by-play, uh, and it was an amazing thing to watch. Uh, as a producer, uh, I would stand in the control room and watch them. They were sitting next to each other, uh, reading the uh, the script, as it were, and they described the ball game. And it was amazing because they were lost in the uh, the, the 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 description, and you would see them looking down from their their table to this imaginary field that they were describing. And uh, they would look up when the, 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 they were describing a certain uh, home run, for instance, and they both would look to the same direction. And it was amazing to watch these two guys work together. It was very interesting because both of them worked for CBS. Both of them... Uh, had a history of working the biggest and the most uh, important sports events in the country. But neither one of them had ever worked together uh, because they both did the same thing. So they were always doing a game someplace else from each other. And they enjoyed working together so much. Uh, one of the most interesting experiences I ever had in my life was the night before me and my um, uh, uh, co-worker went to dinner with them. And I sat and I listened to Jack Buck and Lindsay Nelson tell stories for four hours. It was a fascinating evening. Uh, but it was, a, it was that's how they did that. So Thanks, it was Dad. A, a, oh, go ahead. No, it was just a fascinating, fascinating experience to watch those two guys work together. We're talking about recreating games. I thought I'd talk to somebody who knows a little thing about it. Thanks for uh, thanks for picking up your phone, Dad. Well, thanks for talking to me. Have a good night. Yep. All right, you too. That's my dad, Bill Pauley, who was involved in something back in the day. How about that, Greg? That was not on the schedule of things for us to do today, but that was fun. That was the coolest thing ever. And if I may tease the next segment... We're going to have a little bit of a taste of that game because I finagled some things. So, there you go. Oh, okay. Well, we'll, uh, we'll continue on. We will get to uh, a lot of Brewers stuff. Don't worry. Uh, this is Brewers Weekly. Back with more in a moment on WTMJ.
the American Leaguers. With two base-stealing threats on base, Sandy Koufax faced Ted Williams. The count went to one and one. Koufax ready to go once more. He brings it home. There's a smash up the middle. That ball goes through. A base hit. Rizzuto is going to score without a play. There goes count for third. Mays throwing to third, and everybody's safe, and the American League's out in front one to nothing. There it is. There's a little bit of it. Greg That's found it. That's so, so cool. I'm sorry. That's so cool. Like, the fact that they did in, like, eight. That's so cool. I'm being a producer. I'm nerding out. That is so, so, so cool. Even cooler that your dad was a part of that broadcast. You know, Greg, um, the collect, there, there's no collective bargaining agreement for next year. We could be en route to a work stoppage. Maybe we should uh, try to create something like that and, and you know, affiliate it out or uh, distribute it to, uh, to radio stations across the country. I'm going to put so much effort into something that literally never existed. <laughs> do, do an updated version. We can hire my dad as a consultant. Oh, it'd be there so great. It'd be yeah. so good. Welcome back in. It's Brewers Weekly here on uh, WTMJ. We've decided it is clear based off the uh, happenings of the last half hour. This is the first off-season edition of the program. It is not the final uh, in-season edition. Mike in Colorado texting, and he's all in on that first off-season edition for him. So here we are. We can uh, we can move forward. By the way, we've got game time. We're back to Brewers Weekly. Uh, you know, we've been doing Brew October nightly, which was a little bit different. Now that it's back to Brewers Weekly, we do have game time coming up in uh, just a few moments. I wanted to go over this, so I'm going to kind of tease something here, and then we're going to pay it off a little bit later in the hour. There are 14 brewers who are arbitration eligible. And MLB Trade Rumors every year, that's a website, MLBTradeRumors.com, MLB Trade Rumors every year does their arbitration projections. Uh, They have a model to project salaries for arbitration eligible players. They have been publishing these numbers for better than 10 years, and they're pretty good. They're not right on. They're pretty good. Sometimes it feels like you know, if, if you're a player and you want to stick with a team, you avoid arbitration by agreeing to terms. A lot of times, especially in today's climate, you take a little bit less than this. But if you go to arbitration, this is the number that generally you would get. So the Brewers have 14 arbitration-eligible players. Uh, On a future edition of the program, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to go one by one and say yes or no to this player at this price. You know, sometimes you would say yes to bringing a player back, but would you bring them back at that price, which is what teams have to do. The arbitration process is one of the most uh, inexact sciences that exist in baseball because when a team makes the decision to tender a player, they don't know at that moment how much they'll potentially be paying them. And if they can't come to terms, you go to arbitration, and if the player wins an arbitration hearing, you might be spending a whole lot more money on them than you were planning on when you first tendered them. So it's a and in the last couple of years, I've been I've been really wrong on things because in the last couple of years, I have predicted that the Brewers would tender 
a lot of players, and they end up not tendering a good number of players. And I, I don't, I don't even know how to kind of assess things going into uh, going into uh, this year. But we'll go over all the Brewers who are arbitration eligible. We'll do that a little bit later, and uh, also uh, pass along the number that uh, MLB trade rumors would expect them to come back at if they actually went through the entire arbitration process. But up next, it is a, a Thursday night staple here on Brewers Weekly. It is game time. We'll do it here in just a moment on WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. The first off-season edition of Brewers Weekly continues here on WTMJ. By the way, keeping you updated on what's going on in the NLDS, they have uh, gone to the bottom of the second inning. Dodgers and Giants are scoreless. The winner of this game will go on to match up against the Atlanta Braves in the NLCS. If the Dodgers win, that series would start in Atlanta. If the Giants win, the series would start in San Francisco. Former Brewer Corey Knable got the start for the Dodgers. Uh, the Dodgers went, uh, they took a page out of the Brewers' playbook at the uh, last moment. They decided to go with uh, Corey Knable as the starter. Julio Urias had been uh, the uh, had been the scheduled starter. He hasn't pitched yet. Uh, right now, they're done with Knable, and now uh, Bridzar Gatterall Gratterall is uh, pitching for the Dodgers. So, uh, yeah, the, the Dodgers are doing weird and wacky things when it comes to pitching as they try to get themselves into the, uh, the NLCS. All right, let's do it. Let's do this week's edition of Game Time. Greg Hill, what do you have for us? What time is it? Game Time! On the road again. All righty. In this illustrious edition of Game Time on Brewers Weekly, we're going to talk about how the Tampa Bay Rays don't know what they want to do with themselves. That being, they don't know where they want to play, or they want to play in two different areas. We may say, Greg, teams move cities and towns all the time. It's all money, blah, blah, blah. Oakland A's doing the possibly doing the same thing with Las Vegas. We shall see. But that made me think that Matt Pauly, since... Tampa Bay doesn't know where they want to play. I'm going to give you two cities, and then you're going to tell me which city would be better for a Major League Baseball team. Pretty easy, correct? Yeah. All right, so we'll warm up with this. Would you? Can, rather... I, can, I, can I ask oh, you something real please, quick? Please, please do. <laughs> are we going to uh, Are we going to do this at all bracket style, or are we going to take the winners towards the end and, and maybe just uh, run them up against each other and uh, see what the, the eventual one? We can do that next week. Okay, all right. But I think that's a great idea for further consideration. In the meantime, Matt Pauly, Brinny Breezes, Florida, or Dinosaur, Colorado? Where are you putting a Major League Baseball team? Oh. And I want Major League teams, not Minor League teams, because these are all amazing Minor League city names. Yeah, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to go with the Florida one, and the reason is actually because, you know, the Colorado Rockies, their mascot, Dinger, is a dinosaur. So I feel like anything that you were going to do from a mascot standpoint with the Colorado one was just going to look like you are uh, you're trying to steal something from the Rockies. So just to uh, you know protect the uh, you know the intellectual property of the Colorado Rockies. What was it again? Brinny Breezes, Florida. <laughs> Brinny Breezes, two words. Okay, so like the. The Brittany Breezes Bombers or something like that? Ooh. We can go all alliteration. Alliteration always key. Follow-up, has uh, Bill Polly ever been to Brittany Breezes, Florida? 
I, I don't know. He lives in Vero Beach, and I know he does not. Uh, they, you know, they go to Orlando occasionally. They'll go to Tampa <laughs> occasionally. But uh, I, I don't know about Bernie Breezes. Stay tuned on that. Next town, or next possible town with the newest Major League Baseball team. Matt, are you putting a team in Canadian Texas or China Texas, which are two very real names of cities in the state of Texas? Hmm. Stumpia. Well, you know, I'm gonna. So the first one, did you say Canada or Canada? Um, it's Canadian, Canadian Ca- Texas, Canadian Texas, or China Texas. But you know what? I I want these teams. To have great attendance. I, I don't want them to flounder because that's sure. part of the reason that the Tampa Bay Rays are in trouble because they just they don't get the attendance numbers that they want, which is very weird because like something that people don't realize. Uh, I I'm a I'm a like a super geek and I look at radio ratings from across the country when they come out on a on a daily basis. The the Tampa Bay Rays flagship station gets incredible ratings for the Rays. They get great ratings. Their TV ratings on their regional sports network, fantastic. Some of the best in Major League Baseball. But people don't show up to the games. They watch them and they listen to them but they don't show up. So it's a weird thing. But anyways, um, because it's China and because we live in this super politicized world where there's going to be people who just won't support that team because of the name of the city. I'm going to go with Canadian Texas. Canadian Texas. What's their logo? I picture a cowboy hat, but it's a red uh, leaf. Wearing a cowboy hat. With a Tim hat. Hortons uh, at every uh, every concession stand <laughs> yeah. is a Tim Hortons. <laughs> yes, that's they're the presenting sponsor. There's the one, the name on the Jumbotron. Anyway, God, we are sitting on gold here. Moving on, are you going to Colon, Michigan, or Last Chance, hey. Iowa? <laughs> you know what? These are all very real places, by the way. Yeah, I'm not going to go with Colon because, like, all the jokes that are there are just borderline inappropriate. So. We are not going colon. In uh, so, what was the other? What was the one in Iowa? Last chance, Iowa. Okay, so you know what? That that's great. Every single time the team is down in the bottom of the ninth inning, what is it? It's their last chance to rally. The uh, the last chance. What would be their name? The last chance Lancers. How about that? Oh, last chance Lancers out of out of Iowa. I like it. Uh, speaking of jokes being made, I don't see anyone setting up or any sort of jokes being made out of these two choices. We're going either to three way Tennessee or Climax Michigan. Where oh, you put a team? On. Why are you doing this to <laughs> me, Because you told me to put this game together. It's game time. <laughs> we'll go with climb because the climax of the game. It's the big moment. They're coming. They're, they're like earlier we talked about the last chance. Well, the last chance. You know, it's, it might be their last chance. They're just done, done the team in climax. Then they are going to they are going to win so many games at the end of the <laughs> game because that is the climax of the game. <laughs> Finally, because I don't know if I can go any further with this game. Are we going to Pope Joy, Iowa, or Sandwich, Illinois? Oh, it's got to be Sandwich, Illinois. <laughs> Hands then, down. Yeah, like, all the concession stands are just different types of sandwiches. And then what? what's the big question, Greg? Do they have hot dogs or not? We changed the question from is a hot dog a sandwich to do do, do, do the sandwiches serve hot dogs? Ugh. Nothing? 
No. However, uh, if you would guess the name of the Sandwich Illinois, what do you think the Sandwich Illinois mascot is for their high school? This, oh, I, I, I was going to give the team. Well, my team would have been the Sandwich Sammies. I would have uh, gone oh, Sammies. Which is so good, by the way. Yeah, the Sandwich, sandwich Sammies. Um, I have no clue. What's the, what, the, what? Go ahead. They're the pretzels, and that's a true story. Huh. <laughs> and that's game time. Thank you for playing. There's game time for this week. All right, when we return, the uh, arbitration projections for Brewers players who are arbitration eligible. We'll do that next. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley on WTMJ. So we'll get to the arbitration projections for uh, Brewers arbitration eligible players in just a moment. But if you missed the early part of the program, we got off the rails a little bit. We ended up calling my dad because my dad was the producer of a uh, simulated radio broadcast in the early 80s, uh, taking the greatest players of all time and putting them on an American League team and a National League team. And I, I asked, does anybody listening remember this? Did it maybe air? Right here on WTMJ. It had a very large network. Greg, we got Steve in Milwaukee who uh, texted in, said, I totally remember this. It was on WTMJ that night. I was 11 at the time. I just remember that I couldn't stay awake, and I was bummed that I missed the end and always wondered how it ended. Uh, Mike in Colorado also texted in, says that he uh, recalls hearing about the game but cannot remember if he listened to any of it. But according to Steve, that very broadcast, like you played a clip from it earlier, that would have been the second time it ever aired on WTMJ because evidently it was on WTMJ in the early 80s. It's just so cool. Like I'm trying not to listen to it right now, but like I've never heard Sandy Koufax taken at bat. So I've never heard Ted Williams taken at bat. Never had the chance to. So like this is just super cool that it exists. And and I bet too, if you played it for a good majority of people, they'd believe that. Oh, this was like an All Star game. Like yeah, this yeah. definitely happened. Not really thinking that okay, that player actually played forty years before this player, which is kind yeah, of right. you know, that was the that was the fun of it. Like those were not players who were active; those were the greatest players of all time, and just a uh, in a simulated game. All right, so I uh, want to go over this, and in uh, probably next week we'll actually we'll we'll take this is going to take a little bit of time. We'll break down and we'll make some we'll make some predictions on whether or not the Brewers are going to tender said player based off what their projected arbitration number is. But the Brewers have 14, 14 players who are arbitration eligible. That's one of the biggest numbers in all of Major League Baseball. The Blue, the Braves have 15, so the Braves have one more than the Brewers. Uh, let's see, who else? Is any, uh, Marlins have 13, so one less. Uh, the Rays have 19. Okay, so that's a big number. That's a really big number. The Reds have 19. So the Reds are number one, and the Brewers are... Oh, the Yankees have 19 as well. So Rays and Yankees have 19, and then the Brewers are us. Uh, third, after the Braves at 15, the Brewers come in at 14. But these are the arbitration-eligible players for the Brewers and how much money they would probably make if they do actually go to arbitration. Jace Peterson at $1.3 million. Omar Nervaez at $4.1 million. Brent Suter at $2.3 million. Luke Maley, $1 million. Josh Hader, $10 million. That's the biggest one. Hader making $10 million. That'd be a sizable portion of the Brewers' total salary for next year. Brandon Woodruff at $7.1 million. 
Daniel Vogelback at two million, Willie Adamas at four million. I'll tell you now, that's a bargain. Corbin Burns at four million, that's a bargain. <laughs> You're going to pay Willie Adamas and Cor- Corbin Burns a combined eight million dollars next year. Uh, Eric Lauer two point seven, Jean Del Gustave eight hundred thousand dollars. He is the only sub one million dollar player on the list. Adrian Hauser, $2.3 million. Rowdy Telez, $1.9 million. Luis Urias, $2.4 million. Yeah, I think the thing that jumps out at me uh, on this one is the, the Josh Hader, $10 million. I've always said this. like At some point in time, with Hader, he is going to be more valuable to the Brewers on another team than he is on your team because of what you can get back. Yeah, the Brewers, the, the, Mark Atanasio does a fantastic job in terms of how far he is willing to stretch payroll. He does. The, they, he always likes to use the term punching above the weight. The, the Brewers absolutely punch above their weight when you consider market size, when you consider media dollars coming in, things like that. The Brewers punch above their weight. But there is still a, you know, a finite amount of money that they are going to be able to spend and when one player accounts for a lot of that, all of a sudden maybe that precludes you from doing some other things with the roster. So I've always thought that as Josh Hader's salary goes up and up and up and up and up, as great of a player as he is, his increased salary could result in the Brewers not being able to do some other things. I don't know if this is the year. I don't know if this is the off season where they make a move. But, I mean, Josh Hader, $10 million, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. Maybe we're looking at it a little bit differently. Say, if Devin Williams doesn't have his incident, if Williams is pitching in the postseason, if he would have had a fantastic postseason, do you look at it a little bit different, that all of a sudden Williams is the guy that's ready to take over as the Brewers' closer? Maybe there's a different feeling about that now because of what happened with Williams. Fair or not fair, there could be a different feeling about that. So 14 players, David Stearns and Matt Arnold, they've got some some questions to answer and some decisions to make when it comes to which of those players. A lot of those players will be players who will not be tendered but will have an opportunity to come back uh, coming to terms with the team and avoiding arbitration. That seems to be kind of the thing the Brewers do a lot. They don't either they work out a deal ahead of time or they'll just avoid arbitration uh, with a player uh, or they'll, they'll non-tender and then work out a deal after. You know, They'll make it very clear to the agent for the player, look, we're not going to tender your client, but that doesn't mean we don't want him back. We just we don't want to go into this situation where we don't know how much we're going to have to end up paying them. So we'll, we'll, we'll do it on our terms. Again, probably next week uh, we'll, we'll try to really lock in on the decisions that maybe the Brewers might make make on a player-by-player basis when we return uh we will uh talk about some news around the nl central big news in the nl central today we'll do that and wrap things up next here on wtmj brewers weekly with matt foley on wtmj just a quick moment before we get out of here big news today in the national league central really shocking news today in the national league central mike schilt fired as the manager of the st louis cardinals they just went on that 17-game winning streak. They get into the postseason. They've been in the postseason uh, multiple times under Schilt, and he is done. 
according to uh, their president of baseball operations, John Mazalek, he was in a press conference earlier today that uh, there were philosophical differences between Schilt and the Cardinals, and it was something that had popped up recently. This is shocking considering the fact that Schilt was a Cardinals lifer. He had been working in that organization forever, came up as a minor league coach and everything, replaced Mike Matheny midseason a few years ago, and now he is done. He is out. Uh, sounds like the most likely path is that they are just going to hire somebody off of the coaching staff and not change a whole lot else. But that is that is really surprising news, and we just continue to watch Craig Council be the longest tenured manager in the National League, and other guys continue to fall by the wayside. That's going to do it for this edition of Brewers Weekly. Thanks so much for being tuned in. We'll talk to you again next week for another edition of the program.